Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands Podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chair Shop Media Group. I am Mags, and this is where I normally throw over to my uh, podcast wife, but uh, she's been a Jezebel and uh, it's been a dirty stopout, so unfortunately, I've had to cheat on her by bringing in a, a, my podcast bit on the side. So. <laughs> so <laughs> Today, you lucky, lucky people, you get to to listen to me and one of my good, good friends on wrestling Twitter, Dan Griffin, um, basically wax lyrical about women's wrestling. Um, Dan, how are you? Not too bad, Mags. Not too bad. Um, I'm happy. I'm the uh, happy. I'm the side piece. Means I get. <laughs> means I get. Means I get all the fun and none of the shit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm good. Um, I'm amazed that we're finally having a Badlands women's episode, and you've not got an actual woman on. Because um, as we all we know, did this it is last a... time. The last time we, we had a woman topic, we didn't have a woman. We, we're very misogynistic on this show, you see. It was you and uh, Graham, wasn't it, Graham Midgley? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I'm happy to be. I think this all came about because um, I'd done a tweet based on another topic, and Paul picked up on it and decided to run with it, and then. Um, just decided to fuck us off at the at the last minute, really. <laughs> as as Paul tends to do, uh, but yeah, you you know full well you're always welcome back on the show anytime. Um, yeah, just love having uh, just the crack and the banter with you. So yeah, it's, uh, Paul's missing out, not not uh, us. But uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently for this episode. Normally we would have like an opening topic and then a main topic where uh, Paul and I. Uh, or me on my own, and, and the guests would have separate Mount Rushmore's. But since it's just me and you, I thought we'd, we'd kind of like switch it up a little bit and um, we'd go through here as kind of like the the women who who, who were the trailblazers for, for women's wrestling from uh, from back in the day to the current crop of, uh, of really talented women who are, who are absolutely killing it now to the, the, the future, the the girls and the women who are coming through and are going to be the, the, the trendsetters for the next 5, 10, 15 years in the sport. Uh, really kind of like put women's wrestling on a, a pedestal. Now, ordinarily, I mean, we were going to have three separate Mount Rushmore's each, so there was going to be no vetoing. But with Paul uh, ditching at the last minute, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea if we did have that power of veto. So instead of having separate Mount Rushmore's, we're going to have one Mount Rushmore for each era. We're both going to throw picks at it and we both have the power of a veto. So you can veto one per era. How does that uh, 
I am not ready for this level of power. I'm, I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna channel my uh, my my tolly bastardry. I'm gonna do my best to live up to his uh, his political sort of deviant nature. Um, <laughs> deviant. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a political deviant. He really is. He's he's, yeah. he's sort of Machiavellian. And and this is one of the worst things that's ever happened with COVID. Not the hundreds of thousands of people are dying and stuff like that. It's Paul came back so badly political before that he was innocent and I could easily rile him up but now he's worse than me at vetoing so it'd be good to actually veto with somebody who's not such a, a bitch as him so yeah well <laughs> so I, had my, I, had my, I had my chance before in the tag team one didn't I you bottled certainly it. did you bottled it you did uh, but I'm sure I'll give you many reasons to to use your veto in this episode uh, <laughs> but let's let's get into the first one then we'll start with our the, the women of wrestling past, the, the trailblazers from uh, when women's wrestling was pretty much looked at as, as a, a sideshow to the full kind of uh, attitude era uh, where it was basically TNA, um, basically um, uh, bra and panties and, and mud and uh, dress and gowning, uh, ga- gown matches. Wow, couldn't get my words out then. Um, but there are some standout wrestlers from those eras, I think, and people who really kind of like set the ball rolling for, for the women of today. So who would be first from from, from your choices for um, women of wrestling past? Well, I'm going properly into the way back machine for this one, uh, although she was involved in the Attitude Era. To me, you can't talk about women's wrestling without talking about Mae Young. Mm-hmm. She was taught to wrestle by her older brothers. She grew up, um, you know, in the in the Great Depression. She was tough as old boots. Even by the time she was fifteen, she actually wrestled on the boys' high school team wow. when she was fifteen. She, you know, in nineteen thirty nine, and that was the same year she decided to go to a pro wrestling show uh, in Tulsa to challenge then champion Mildred Burke. She was fifteen years old, bold as brass. Walks up, say, "I want to, I want to fight Mildred Burke. I reckon I can beat her." They said, no, you're not fighting the champion. Come on, what are you playing at? So they stuck her in with uh, one of Mildred's fiercest rivals, who was uh, Gladys Killam Gillum. Um, and depending on who you talk to, um, May Young, the way she tells it, at least beat this seasoned professional wrestler uh, in minutes. In this, you know, she, just a proper wrestling match, just had her on the canvas. And at that point, caught the eye of the promoter. A couple of years later, before she left to uh, to start wrestling, she was 17, so that was 1941. So technically, she's wrestled in the 30s. And she wrestled in, I think, every decade by maybe the 2000s. Mm-hmm. From That's then madness, on. That's madness, isn't it? That's madness. Reports vary because un- a few matches are unconfirmed here and there. But it's a minimum of seven decades that she wrestled in. Um, she even caught the eye of somebody like Ed Strangler Lewis, who was notoriously anti-women in wrestling. Hated it. He looked at Mae Young and said she was born to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, she helped open up, her and Mildred Burke helped up open up Canada uh, to women's wrestling. Stu Hart booked them in the 40s. That was the first sort of major foray women's wrestling into Canada. She opened up more roles in wrestling uh, and other sports uh, during World War Two. Just for women, I, I couldn't actually find out what the other sports were, um, you know, in my research. But 
it was you know I'd imagine obviously primary primary primarily what have you given me there with that inability to get out a simple <laughs> word um and in the sort of forties and fifties, she was that much of an effective baby face. Uh, some places had to erect chicken wire fencing just to have the, just to stop the fans from attacking her. Um, Freddie Blassie actually told a great story, is that she was such she was so much one of the boys. She got invited to the poker games, which was you know a fairly big deal. They'd be sat there in the locker room or in a bar wherever, just playing playing poker. Me Young would be sat there in a you know in a pantsuit which again was odd for the time, pantsuit, smoking a big fat cigar, and just in the middle of the game to put the boys off, she'd cock her leg and rip a massive fart. Mm. Legend. <laughs> yeah, Legend. And she was not afraid to fight anyone. There's umpteen stories out there of her fighting men and women in bars, just you know, going up to blokes twice their, twice the size and either making them scream, stop, you know, <laughs> give up, or just knocking them spark out. Um... She was uh, NWA's first Florida women's champion, first women's United States champion. She was uh, part of a battle royal for the women for the full world women's championship in 1956. Um, wrestled for the WWWA, the World Women's Wrestling Association, uh, and even got a few matches uh, in the as was WWWF. She did briefly. Oh, that was it. She briefly retired uh, in the 70s. I think she had, you know, sporadic matches here and there, but nothing yeah. of note until she came back to wrestle in the. This was in 1993, and she started in 1939. She came back in 93 to wrestle for uh, Fabulous Moolers, um, short-lived promotion, Ladies International Wrestling Association. Before then, in the late 90s, coming in as we, as a load of us grew up knowing and loving her as the absolute madhead legend in the Attitude Era. All the, uh, the you know, obviously the, the shit stuff like the Mark Henry uh, giving birth to a hand storyline, um, the infamous spot at the 2000 Royal Rumble where she uh, where everybody thought she'd stripped off, but it was actually prosthetics. Sorry to spoil the illusion there, everyone. Um, Bronco Buster and Eric Bischoff in her underwear, taking stunners, taking those insane power bombs off, off Bubba Ray Dudley. Through a table um, as well, Threw and it was a table. yeah. And one of the but one of the spots I forgot was um, the uh, getting the double splash off three minute warning. Yeah, yeah. When she was seventy nine years old, but one of the best ones for me as well was um, just I think it was I can't remember if it was before or after that her last match against Cool when it, it's supposed to be PG. It's twenty ten, and she's just there calling them sluts and bitches, and nobody gave a shit because it was May Young, just double tough. Incredibly charismatic as a face in her late years, as a heel, um, you know, in, in the sort of a, in the golden period of a career, and the, to me, she is the biggest legend in women's wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it goes to show just what do we really think of her? That there's a, an annual uh, women's tournament named after her. Yeah, because absolutely. She so much. It's a great, yeah, and, great first pick. All, yeah, all, and all through my research, I could not find a bad. So anybody with anything bad to say about Mae Young, which yeah. is very rare in wrestling. You normally piss somebody off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's a, an outstanding first pick. Um, I'm definitely not going to veto it. You can't, I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight if I vetoed um, Mae Young off this list. Now, if it was Fabulous Moolah, maybe, but definitely not Mae Young. She was, yeah, she's an absolute wrestling legend. No matter women or men, she's a wrestling legend. Um, so, yeah, she can definitely stay on. Uh, for my first pick, I'm going to come 
um, a little bit closer to to, to now. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with China. So um, China was uh, was heavily into uh, bodybuilding uh, when she was uh, younger, and she got the the taste for for wrestling because she started training under uh, the famous Killer Kowalski, uh, the guy who uh, trained um, people like uh, Triple H. And she was actually uh, contacted by WCW to uh, become a member of, uh, the first female member of the NWO. And she was very, very close to actually signing the contract. But uh, Killer Quartz uh, told Shane that she'd received this offer and, and uh, he might want to come in and, and check her out because he, he felt that she was really, really talented. Uh, Shane liked what he saw, uh, got in contact with, uh, with his dad and they, they made an offer for, for China to come to the WWF. So she then came um, and debuted at In Your House 13 as part of a, originally as part of a fan, like a, a plant, uh, but she was quickly like, uh, revealed to be the, the enforcer slash bodyguard of DX. Uh, original character was actually very, very emotional, just the typical kind of uh, muscle for a group, but obviously not typical because she was a female instead of a, a male. Uh, but it wasn't long before you started uh, seeing her have amazing character work. Um, if you remember, she had a, a, a love storyline with Mark Henry where he uh, cheated on her with a, a transsexual. Um, then obviously there's the, another kind of a similar storyline with Eddie Guerrero where he, he screwed her over for towels and, and, and things like that. But the the one standout year that she had was uh, was in 1999 where she really became a massive trailblazer for women's wrestling. So in January 1999, she became the first woman to ever enter enter the Royal Rumble. Never been done before. Only been done once since. Uh, then in June um, of 19, is it not once? Twice. Three times. Oh, well, she was the first uh, woman to enter the Royal Rumble, done, been done many times since. Um, but then in June 1999, she was the, the first ever female to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament. Um, and then straight after this, she became the first woman to ever be a number, number one contender for the top title in the WWE, uh, WWF, the, the, the World Heavyweight title. Um, and if rumours are to be believed, she was actually scheduled to win that title if it wasn't for, for Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was the current champ, using his uh, his political sway with Vince to, to stop that happening. But in the, the tail end of that year, China didn't actually get a, a main roster title, and she was involved in the Intercontinental title scene. Um, she actually beat Jeff Jarrett for, for the title after, after a few matches of... Uh, where she just fell short. She, uh, she ended up beating him at No Mercy in uh, the infamous good housekeeping match, which was uh, was basically a punishment for Jarrett uh, on his way out, kind of embarrassing whilst he left the company. And obviously there's, there's the massive wild rumours that he held up Vince for money, which is actually not... Tr- not Well, it's true in a way that he got paid on the way out, but it's not true they held Vince up. He actually saved Vince a hell of a lot of money compared to what he would have been uh, actually due uh, for his appearances throughout uh, like September, October, and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, the rumours are that he, he held Vince up for $300,000, um, but 
he didn't really. Anyway, so China won that match, went on to have a really uh, uh, interesting feud with Chris Jericho, where they both ended up being co-holders of the title for a little while before she ended up actually dropping the title to win a Royal Rumble. Um, she then uh, was in the women's uh, division. Uh, she'd beat Ivory for the, the women's title at WrestleMania 17. Um, unfortunately for China, her uh, wrestling career in the WWE kind of ended on a sour note. Uh, her relationship with Triple H uh, went south. Uh, China ended up leaving the company. Actually appeared in New Japan uh, as a referee initially and then had several uh, high-profile matches in New Japan. Uh, I think she had matches with the likes of uh, Thunder Lager, uh, Tanahashi, Masahiro Chono, uh, Yuji Nagata. And then she spent quite a while away from the business um, and then uh, popped up in TNA, uh, making her last wrestling appearance, tagging with uh, Kurt Angle against uh, Jeff and Karen uh, Jarrett at uh, Sacrifice 2011. Um, unfortunately, she then passed away in uh, 2016 and was uh, actually posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of DX, uh, being the first female to be inducted as part of a group or a faction, and hopefully very soon she'll be inducted on her own merits because it's absolutely deserved. So, yeah, my, my first pick on our um, uh women's wrestlers of, of the past is China. Yeah, okay, I thought that um, China was um, was one of my, uh, in fact, was my was going to be when we were doing, you know, the Mount Rushmore each, China was, for the past, was my fourth pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't fault that at all. I, the amazing thing for me is China basically did everything she did in wrestling. Broke, th- not just broke through the glass ceiling, but absolutely smashed through it and did it all within sort of five years including getting across to New Japan. But mm-hmm. everything she did sticks so vividly in everybody's minds that yeah. it's just absolutely incredible. I actually I made a list of all the sort of notable names that she faced in New Japan even. Because I knew she'd been there, but I didn't realise just how many sort of legends or you know, soon-to-be legends that she shared the ring with. She re- uh, refereed the match at the 30th anniversary, which was Steiner Brothers versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kensuke Sasaki, which is incredible anyway. Massive. But then there's... Nakanishi, Gedo, Jado, she wrestled, then wrestled Hiroshi Tanahashi. Masahiro Chono, she wrestled Chono in a singles match, lost to him. But she got a singles match with Chono in the early 2000s, which is nuts. And then, and like you said, Liger. And she also had um, a tag team title shot, an IWGP heavyweight tag team title shot, with uh, tagging with the great Kabuki against uh, Tenzan and Chono. Which Massive. I've not been, I've not had a chance to get on, uh, to get on NJPW World and have a look at it, but I really need to. Um, yeah. But yeah, the um, the stuff about, the stuff you said about Jarrett as well, like... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Doesn't it? Does it strikes me something a conversation that was definitely had saying, "Well, I'm on my way out anyway. Give us a bum, because I want to, because I don't want to lose." That's that's literally what he said. He, he, uh, I read an interview about uh, about the incident, um, 
and he said he, he really kind of is upset about being painted as a picture of someone who really uh, tried to screw Vince over. He said this was done to, to serve both parties because he was owed a hell of a lot more because they mm. got paid quarterly and he was owed for all the house shows like before that quarter. Um, and he, he said it's just easy for you to write a check now for $300,000 We'll call it all quits. And Vince, he said Vince was more than happy to, to do that. Mm. So then to be painted as someone who, who held the company up for money uh, and have that, that that hanging over his head for, for such a long time, he said it really kind of like affected him. Yeah, so it's not yet, yeah, it wasn't quite fair then. It's one of those that's been, X has happened. It's gone yeah, through yeah. China. It's gone through the whispers and, and become something else. Um, WWE is still finding ways to... Um, to sort of just have a little dig at China's legacy, though, they actually no longer recognise um, her second IC title reign that was joined with noticed, yeah. joined with Jericho, and it's that's just pathetic. Yeah. Just you know, just just give her the recognition. They were co-champions, so it counts. Um, the other one that was I thought was a, a sort of a, a sort of feather in, her, in China's cap was uh, she beat a British Bulldog. Yeah. on Raw in nineteen ninety nine as well, which they were still trying to I think they were still either trying to get behind Bulldog or he was still a big name at that point. So mm-hmm. for China to beat him was uh, was pretty huge. So yeah, and that was the other thing I'd noted down. The uh, the really confusing WrestleMania fifteen triple cross. Where China had gone in as an ally of Vincent uh, Vincent Kane. Double crossed the corporation by joining Triple H and DX during Kane and Triple H's match. And then China and Triple H went into business for themselves by screwing over X Pac <laughs> later on. I just like I remember watching that as a kid, thinking, "Hey, what? Uh, all right, <laughs> talk about convoluted." <laughs> yeah, so no, I can't, um, I can't, I can't veto China because I was going to pick her myself. Yeah, so let's go to you for for the third pick then on on this first Mount Rushmore. Now this is one where. I can possibly see a veto coming because I'm not sure you'll know who she is. Okay. It's a lady I wasn't aware of until about a month or two ago. Uh, and it's uh, a woman who just reading, uh, I was reading a book called The Wrestling by uh, Simon Garfield, which is a series of interviews he did with um, British wrestling legends who were on TV in the world of sport here and before. Um, and it's a woman. Uh, she's a woman called Mitzi Muller, who, after reading this book, I sort of considered to be the godmother of British uh, women's wrestling. She uh, she debuted in 1963 at the age of 14. She was trained by a dad um, who was a prominent, who was sort of a prominent local wrestler around Manchester area. Um, first match, she uh, went three rounds with uh, a woman called Nancy Barton, and uh, Barton actually chucked uh, Muller out of the ring from an airplane spin to the floor and knocked a clean out cold at 14. Wow. <laughs> and that was a first, that was a first song, that was a first main match. That happened and she just went, yeah, a little bit more training, but yeah, I fancy this. Um, so by the time Mitzi was getting into it, women's wrestling was, um, was actually banned in a lot of mainstream British venues. They didn't want women's wrestling on um, it was confined to private clubs. People saw it as claimed to see it as demeaning to women uh, or sexualized because there were a few, you know, there were a few things knocking about that were of that ilk. Um, there was a there's a website called the Wrestling Heritage Blog where people put on you know put up blogs about experiences going to wrestling shows, and they were saying that a Mitzi Muller match was advertised at a venue in Charlie 
it was on the posters for days leading up to the show. They turned up and they said, uh, oh, it's been pulled by the council. And this was in, uh, again, in, uh, ni- this was in 1965. So the council said, no, we don't want women wrestling. We're pulling the match. You can't do it. Um, in the same book as well, Ken Livingston, um, obviously, life, you know, life, life a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, he confirmed that. He was interviewed for the book and said it was demeaning to women. They didn't want it happening in London. Um in London, in London in particular, was the was the big one because that's where you got the massive crowds. There was wrestling, or at least monthly, at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, so the one one of the few sort of promotions that were giving women a spot was all all star wrestling, run by Brian Dixon, who actually uh, Mitzi Miller had, had gone on to marry Brian Dixon, but she it wasn't sort of commonly known because she wanted to sort of do everything on her own method, uh, merit. But they were very rarely in the early days given exposure on World of Sports. And, but despite that, Mitzi went um, so went wrestling up and down the country, wrestling women like Hellcat Haggerty, uh, Haggerty, Rusty Blair, Na- Nancy Barton, who knocked her out in her first match. Um, she had uh, long reigns. It was hard to verify exactly how long, but was the British and European uh, women's champion. In fact, European champion, I think her reign was roughly 15 years. Wow. She was, um, she was quite a tall woman, blonde, you know, typical sort of blonde-eyed, uh, blonde haired, blue eyed baby face, which is where the term blue eye came from in British wrestling, uh, rather than blue eye. And it, she actually carved out a uh, a bit of a TV career for herself. Um, she had appearances on Emmerdale, uh, even got into Red Dwarf later on. And uh, and this will pop at least one person in our audience, Rob. Uh, she was on Minder. <laughs> and uh, as, as her career started sort of winding down, she became more and more determined to have uh, to break through the barrier and get women's wrestling in London and went so far as to work with Susie Quattro's uh, backing band and record a single called Let the Girls Into London and that coupled with a a couple of um, sort of lawsuits I suppose you could call them where women sued for loss of earnings for not being allowed to wrestle Uh, Mitzi turned up at the venue one day uh, in London just really there to help out All Star help out her husband you know help out Brian with the show and she found out that uh, that she'd been given the go-ahead to wrestle in the Royal Albert Hall. Oh, that's cool. In what, in what turned out to be, she had a final match after a 25-year wrestling career in front of about 1,000 people in the Royal Albert Hall after 25 years of trying to break it, break that down. Um, she, it was a tag match. She tagged with Rusty Blair, who she'd fought with and against you know, for, for a couple of decades. Uh, and it was against a woman called Nikki Monroe. And to anyone who's remotely familiar with British wrestling, this name will be very familiar. It was one of Klondike Kate's first matches. Um, so it was sort of an unofficial passing of the torch for one of the best um, baby faces in British women's wrestling and who would become one of the most reviled heels in Klondike Kate in that tag match. Um, so, yeah, for, for being one of the primary trailblazers for women, women's wrestling in Britain, I am picking Mitzi Muller. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of her, uh, like, like, like uh, you said at the beginning, but for for that that massively trailblazing, kind of not only breaking barriers, but just smashing walls down with her, with, with her career in, in wrestling and, and to end on, end on such a high note of... of of being able to wrestle where you've been trying to wrestle for 25 years, I would be heartless if I even attempted to veto that. What a great story and what a great kind of ambassador for 
for women's wrestling and, and for British wrestling that, that she is. So oh, thank, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was so hesitant. I, I, I was thinking about saving Mitzi for a veto because I was just like, if I can't get her on, <laughs> I'll be but, really pissed I'm, off. I mean, stuff like that, I mean, you, even with not not ever a bit heard, heard of her, the fact that she did all that, we wouldn't have women's wrestling now if it wasn't for people like her. So there's no way you can't. Uh, you you can kind of like um, you can't talk down her accomplishments and, and what she did for for wrestling. So yeah, there's no way I could veto that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I did. I bet Tolly would have. <laughs> oh, Tolly would have. I mean, <laughs> we'll go through Tolly's picks in a minute. Uh, one of them stands out to me like a sore thumb, which uh, I, I I would have vetoed instantly. But uh, it just it just sent Charlotte Flair's name twelve times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised Charlotte only made one. I'm surprised he didn't make all three. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll uh, hopefully round hours off. And again, I'm gonna. Um, this is more of a kind of, of what what st- stood out to me as a wrestling fan. Um, I went with Molly Holly. So um, Molly trained uh, um, underneath Dean Malenko, and she made like sporadic appearances for WCW and WWF. Um, just like as one shots as an enhancement talents, uh, but she eventually took a permanent role with WCW, uh, coming in as uh, Miss Madness, uh, part of uh, the the faction that that was uh, there to ballet for Randy Savage. Um, unfortunately, she didn't last there too long because Randy turned on his uh, on his ballets, and she was then she ended up uh, floating around the company doing single shots. Uh, until uh, in 2000, she was released. So that's when she uh, she was offered a, a contract in, in the WWF. Uh, and she was quickly aligned with uh, Bob and Crash Holly uh, as, their, as their cousin Molly Holly. Kind of like a, a really kind of sugar sweet, uh, ultimate white meat baby face. She got involved in a lot of their feuds, uh, as well as kind of having black feuds of her own. Uh, around that time, mainly Trish Stratus was the star. So if you got a feud with her, that was your kind of road to the top. Um, but one of her best kind of like character changes was uh, when she became a, a superhero sidekick to the Hurricane. Um, but unfortunately, again, that didn't last too long because she turned on the Hurricane uh, at WrestleMania 18 when she uh, she hit him with a frame pan. Um, and won the hardcore title. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't leave WrestleMania with that hardcore title because she was later on knocked out by a by a door uh, by a Christian, and who would uh, pin her and then escape with the belt. Um, but she would win the the WWF Women's title a couple of times in her career. She beat Trish Stratus at King of the Ring 2002, and then she beat uh, Gail Kim on an episode of Raw in June 2003. Um, now, the reason why I picked her was not necessarily because she had massive amounts of accomplishments in, in wrestling, because compared to a lot of women, she really doesn't. Uh, there's not a lot. Of, she didn't get a lot of accolades. But I picked her because uh, of her influence in, the, in women's wrestling and in the, in, in the wrestling world in general. Um, if it wasn't for her really pushing Vince... Uh, their, she, the woman's title would not have even been on uh, the WrestleMania 20 card. Uh, originally, that, that card was set, uh, set to have 11 matches. And when she approached Vince and Bruce Pritchard, 
Um, she said, um, they said, no, we've only got room for one uh, women's match and it's going to be a, a, an evening gown match. So she said, I'm the women's champion. I, I need to be on this card. And she was sent away, basically scolded and, and told, no, you're not having a card. So she went and she uh, concocted a plan to uh, basically try and get women, uh, more women's wrestling on, on the card. And she came up with, with a storyline where she would sh- shave her head bald uh, and she wrote out a, a full storybook of, of how the match will go, how the storyline will go. And she took that to, um, to Stephanie and Shane, who were really kind of like interested in, in the storyline. It then got back to Vince and Vince uh, contacted her and said, would, if you're willing to do this, then, then yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on the card. Uh, but who would you like to, to uh, face? Who would you like to be the one uh, that uh, shaved your head? And she actually went with another one of my picks who, uh, who, I, who I haven't brought up. She said, the only other person in this, in this current uh, division with the same kind of passion and flair for wrestling as me, I want it to be Victoria. So they got a, a, a spot on, on uh, WrestleMania in the middle of the card, a six-minute match, which is, in the grand scheme of things, is is not a lot, but they made, they told a hell of a story with that six minutes. Uh, they, she shaved her head, which is a, a massive kind of like, um, um, just a way to, to uh, rubber stamp the fact that you're so passionate about uh, women's wrestling that you're willing to lose all your hair for it. Um, and then even after uh, her career was winding down, she's obviously had spots in the Royal Rumble and and, and like one shots where she's come back. But she's uh, always sat as kind of a massive influence in a lot of female wrestlers' careers. Um, and there's one story that really stood out to me Um she was contacted by Beth Phoenix about uh, learning how to, to train about wrestling. And um, Beth Phoenix advised her to, to, to start and help to find a school. Uh, but what Beth didn't know until years later on was that, um, that um, Molly Holly actually paid for her training out of her own pocket because she wanted to see Beth chase her dreams. Outside of uh, outside like the TV wrestling, now she's still coaching wrestling, uh, and she's actually part of the team that runs a school with uh, the infamous Ken Kennedy and uh, Sean Devaris. So yeah, my my last pick is uh, the effervescent Molly Holly. I must admit, Molly Holly was not someone that even crossed my mind when uh, when thinking about this but you you're right i've heard many many stories about the influence she had particularly as being like one of the very few women featured in wcw and then like i remember being younger the mighty molly stuff was just absolute gold and the stuff with the, with the holly cousins um was just brilliant she's always entertaining even now when she comes back the amount of love she gets online from people mm-hmm. is is incredible um she's not staying on oh evil after, after Jerry Lawler basically called her a fat ass and it ended up being a storyline for months and she sat there and took it, you're going to take her off this Mount Rushmore. How, how yes. dare you? Because I'm putting on a woman who had a 30-year career and for the vast majority of it was regarded as one of the best wrestlers in the world regardless of gender. And it's Manami Toyota. Yeah. Damien, I, mean, I, 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 I can't let this. 
Yeah, I can't let this go by. I'll be honest, this is more of a reputation pick for me because I've read a lot about Manami Toyota. I've only seen in you know a handful of matches on YouTube. Loved them all. Mm-hmm. But Manami Toyota, the way she wrestled, looking looking back on it, and you know, that stuff from the 90s when Joshi wrestling was absolutely killing it. She she and women like her laid the foundations for what I guess you'd call the modern indie style, as far as I can tell. But going back, she debuted in uh, on August in August 1987. She was 16 years old uh, for All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Um, she had a within a year and a half. Uh, she was stealing the show uh, at the Yokohama Arena in a tag match, um, which was sort of the first time everybody saw the you know the flashy moves, the fast pace, the long series of near falls. Which, if you take those sort of three things in isolation. You could be watching indie, you know, an indie match. It could be an AEW match. It it is it, very much the popular, more popular sort of modern indie style. Um, she won a first and only um, AJW championship in uh, in 1989. So just two years in, she was eight. Uh, she was 18. Um, what else? Sorry, I'm going through my notes now. I've lost myself. I wasn't expecting to veto this early. Um, <laughs> And yes, yeah, so she won. A, she won the first of her two All Pacific Championships three months later. Um, she had eleven championship reigns, won four uh, Japan Grand Prix and five uh, five tag leagues with five different partners, just in uh, in All Japan Women. Uh, she won singles title, uh, singles and tag gold in promotions like Guy Ice Ribbon, uh, JWP, UWA, and this is a mouthful: the WWPWD, which I didn't write down what it stands for because. It kind of melted my brain the first time. Uh, she <laughs> she unified the IWA and All Pacific titles in 1994. Um, by March 95, she uh, cemented a spot at the top of uh, of, a, of All Japan by becoming the 39th WWWA World Single Champion, beating Arja Kong, who was one of her main rivals throughout. And I'm, I'm assuming you've seen a fair bit of Arja Kong over the uh, over the oh, years. Yeah. Um, and it was it was by this point that Toyota was being mentioned in. So you know, put the more sort of knowledgeable wrestling, uh, you know, wrestling circles as one of the best in the world. Um, I personally don't set much star in Dave Meltzer, but for what it's worth, she won the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Match of the Year in 1993 and 1995, and she has the most five-star rated matches uh, by a female wrestler with 13. Um, Arja Kong handpicked to to come into uh, to found uh, to. Uh, Picked it's coming to Gaia, uh, where she had another two years from 2002 to 2004, uh, wrestling Toshio Yamada, Dynamite Kasai, Aja herself, um, everything like that. Uh, she rest, she booked and pro- uh, produ- uh, produced her own tribute show in 2007, a 20-year tribute show. She wrestled every single match on the card. Jesus. Um, and then she took a year's hiatus. Uh, she wrestled a little bit in uh, in Chikara from... 2010 to 2012, but I don't want to talk too much about Chikara on uh, on a women's wrestling show uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and just yeah, just throughout throughout 30 years, she was just considered the best. Yeah. Um, she retired on November 3rd, 2017. A 30th anniversary show was even more insane than a 20th tribute show. She wrestled 51 one-minute time limit matches. Ending it with a record of twelve wins, twenty-nine draws, and ten losses, before having a retirement match against a handpicked successor, Tsukasa Fujimoto, 
which Minami Toyota won. She then demanded a rematch because she wasn't happy with how she'd beat uh, Fujimoto. Uh, beat, to beat Fujimoto again. Fujimoto then demanded a rematch. So they've already done two matches. She wants a third one, last chance to beat Minami Toyota. And then Fujimoto beat her with her own finisher. And that was how she ended her career. Wow, what a way to, to put a point on, on the end of your career. Yeah, and she was just, like I say, with, with the way she wrestled, was so far ahead of its time. Um, very sort of un, unusual, at least in the Western world at that time as well, throughout the 90s and early 2000s, for women to be seen um, as equal to the men. Like in, in terms of the West, in terms of the sort of Western wrestling at that time, there was only really China who was smashing that glass ceiling. But Toyota was garnering so much attention. Um, obviously, it's very different over in Japan. They had, you know, they had the Joshi promotions where it was all women wrestling, so it was given almost an equal footing if you wanted to view it that way. Um, but yeah, that's why uh, that's why Manami Toyota's on. It's a, a great pick, and I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm not happy Molly Holly got took off, but I can't. Um, I can't go against it. It makes absolute sense. I uh, actually did some a little bit of research on on Manami Toyota for a, a podcast. That, ages ago and it was about that the the percentages of of uh five star matches to um to how many matches that they they've worked all the way throughout the career and she'd actually she's actually worked two thousand seven hundred matches throughout her career which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh you compare compare her to the likes of Okada, he's only wrestled one thousand four hundred times. Uh, Tanahashi's only wrestled 2,381 times. So, yeah, she's had a, um, an amazing career. And a so percentage she... of, of uh, five-star matches is actually uh, 0.48%, which puts her in the top 10 of wrestlers in the world to have a, a percentage of, of five-stars to uh, the actual total matches. Yeah, so just working out roughly in my head, she averages 90 matches that she averaged. Across a thirty-year career, ninety matches a year. Madness. And then, so th- and then, and then in there, thirteen five-star matches. I think two. I think at least two of them, if I remember rightly, were against the same opponent. Were against Arja Khan, mm-hmm. which is just insane. To have one five-star match with an opponent is incredible. To be able to go out and then do it again and have that match judged on its own merits as good as the first, it takes a special kind of. It takes special talent to do that. And in, especially in an era where women's wrestling wasn't as as highly thought of as it is now, she again like like your other two picks is a massive kind of a breaker of boundaries and a really kind of a trendsetter for wrestling. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That, that was sort of the couple of things that I just finished off in my notes. It was visionary, trendsetter, mm-hmm. and ultimately, again, we've said it. it said it so many times I don't want it to sound patronising but re- genuinely a trailblazer I mean I, I don't think it's patronising at all I think you can't wax lyrical enough about, about these ladies and um, we wouldn't it's, I, I'm going to keep saying it but we wouldn't have the women's wrestling we have today if it wasn't for the likes of these people uh, really going against the grain and fighting a lot of uh, oppression to, to for the wrestlers now to be able to to do what they love to do, so it's, it's and, uh, definitely I'd, um, not patronising at all. I'd go so far as to say that without um, Manami Toyota wrestling the style she did, um, we wouldn't have a company like AEW existing that gave sort of gave it gave legitimacy and credence and 
sorry, Manami Toyota's work did gave a basis and legitimacy and credence for AEW, for the sort of what sort of um, team, what I deem the AEW style, mm-hmm. which is more fast paced, more flashy, more false finishes. Yeah. Um. So the obviously we originally were going to have Matt Rushmore's each, so the two that are didn't uh, put up for, for, for my picks. Uh, I was going to have Victoria. Uh, again, that's a, a very much of an emotional one. Um, not so much for what she did in WWE, because I think at that time, um, she felt like a wrestler 20 years ahead of her, her career when WWE were looking for uh, bra and panty style wrestlers. She was a genuine actual ring general style wrestler but she did a great work in in tna uh won multiple titles there and then the other and again kind of along the same lines as victoria was gail kim uh the first female wrestler in wb tax to start getting introduction vignettes uh, if you remember the the kind of like matrix vignettes that she got wb never did that for anyone uh female before gail kim again didn't quite get the the, the booking that she should have got in WWE because Vince can't book Asians for the, for the laugh in him. Uh, but she did win the, the WWE Women's Champion on her first run. Uh, but again, in TNA, absolutely killed it. Uh, really kind of cemented TNA as one of the forefront places for women to go in Western wrestling. Uh, seven times uh, TNA Knockout Champion. Uh, TNA Knockout's Tag Team Champion with Madison Rain. First ever female inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame. So, yeah, those would have been the, the two picks had I ever been able to have my own Mount Rushmore on there. Um, what, what would have been your other one, uh, Dan? Uh, mine was China. Okay, so... Uh, for the past. Although, uh, so can't really say any more on China because we've, uh, we've, we've, we've waxed lyrical about everything there. But um, funny you bring up Gail Kim. I remember I messaged you and said one of mine was kind of breaking the rules and it's a bit tenuous. Gail Kim... Uh, was going to be my one of my picks for the present because she only retired into she had a last match in 2019 and the way I figure it two years isn't long enough to be considered fully retired from wrestling <laughs> because oh, people I mean, come back at, all the time look at Victoria she uh, retired in 2019 she was back uh, last week for the Royal Rumble so it was great to see her as well. Yeah, it was so good. Um, I'll just run over Tolly's uh, picks since he's passed them us through the DMs. Uh, so for the past, he picked Mildred Burke. Can't argue with that. Uh, I mean, I've never watched any Mildred Burke uh, personally, but you, you know the stories of how she kind of uh, uh, really kind of helped set uh, women's wrestling on a roll. Fabulous Moolah, absolutely getting the bin for that uh, pick for <laughs> all the good that she did for women's wrestling. And yeah, she really did kind of uh, um, showcase it. What she did to those girls is uh, is irreprehensible. Uh, and she, I think she should be stricken from the history books. He also went with China, so China's certainly got a clean sweep from us guys. Uh, and he also went for a, a, a weird book. I, I technically don't think that, that her... Uh, wrestling career is said and done. He went for Ronda Rousey, and I can understand why because even though she only had one year, that was a phenomenal year, and she really put women's wrestling up and uh, over the 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 edge. She was, if it wasn't for her being involved in in the WrestleMania match, we wouldn't have had women at, at, at headline WrestleMania. Um, so I can understand that, but I don't think her career is done. I think she'll be back very soon. Um, but yeah, uh, 
Great start to the show so far. Yeah, I think not, not, bad, not bad from not bad from Tolly. Um, Mildred Burke was one that I uh, was a woman that I started researching, but I just I couldn't. Uh, May Young got the nod just for the for the sheer longevity um, that she had. But then the argument becomes with without Mildred Burke, is there a May Young? Yeah. <laughs> but it's you know you, the the uh, the book's got to stop somewhere, and, and May Young just sort of shaded it for me. Ronda Rousey, I think, was. Actually, I don't want to call it a clever pick because that's giving Paul too much credit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this Paul Tolly slagging off. Well, he's not here to defend himself, so fucking. <laughs> but it, no, that was a that, that was a, it was a it was a cute pick that you know when you see like in football when you just see someone do a deft little touch. I think oh, that was a, that was a cute move. Like well done. But if it happens against you, then you dick. <laughs> <laughs> but you are right. Without Ronda Rousey, there's, I don't think there's the. Uh, I don't think Vince gets behind women in the main event at all. Absolutely agree with you. So let's go on to uh, the 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 Mount Rushmore of the present women. Uh, a lot more to choose from now. So I assume that some of our picks may differ a little bit now. Uh, I'll go first if you don't mind. Um, Not at all. I'm, I'm going to go with Asuka. Um, so Asuka uh, wrestled for about a decade uh, on the the J- Japan and uh, American indie scene uh, for the likes of Smash, for the likes of Chikara, DDT. She even did some self-run shows and, and also did some like, uh, 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 cross-promoter shows with Mio and Io Shirai, the, the, the Shirai sisters, as part of a, a stable that they, they built called Triple Tails. But eventually um, she came to the, the WWE um, and became the character we know as Asuka. So she uh, arrived in NXT, uh, did a two-year stint there, uh, remained unbeaten, uh, never pinned or submitted uh, all the way through her running in uh, NXT. She won the title from Bailey at, at TakeOver Dallas. Um, this actually led to Vince wanting to bring her up to the main roster um before the before she actually went up, uh, but in the in a very rare show of Triple H putting his foot down, he actually said no, Vince, you can't have Asuka. Uh, I feel that she's the anchor of this brand, and right now she's irreplace- irreplaceable. Which just goes to show how quickly she meant so much to uh, to not only Triple H but to the brand of NXT. She would uh, end up holding that uh, NXT women's title that she won off Bailey for 510 days, record-breaking. Um, uh, but she ended up relinquishing the belt because she broke a collarbone, uh, which, funnily enough, came just before a call to the main roster. And what she actually did, and this is not kayfabe uh, like, like the original record, but she broke Goldberg's 173-0 streak. And her numbers weren't padded like Bills were, uh, who turned up from uh, Thunder and he'd suddenly won seven matches in a row. Um, yes, uh, he actually got a, she got a congratulations from from Bill uh, publicly to, um, to say, uh, well done on breaking that streak. Came up to the main roster, uh, instantly broke the record for the fastest submission in women's uh, wrestling when she beat Dana Brooke in three seconds. Um, her actual winning streak... Um, came to an end after 914 days uh, where she lost in a, a women's uh, SmackDown women's match 
uh, where she was trying to get the title away from uh, Charlotte Flair. Obviously, lol, Charlotte wins is becoming the, the new meme. Um, but uh, the 2018 TLC, she actually won her first uh, main roster title, the SmackDown Women's, when she beat uh, uh, Charlotte Flair and, and Becky Lynch in the triple threat. Uh, and it was actually, that was actually the first time a women's match had, had, uh, had headlined a dual brand WWE pay-per-view. Um, all the way through her, her career, she's uh, she's been the the first ever women's Royal Rumble uh, winner in 2018. She's uh, the two-time uh, Raw Women's Tag Team Champion um, two, uh, uh, with uh, Kyrie Sane and with Charlotte Flair. She's a two-time and current uh, Raw Champion. Um, 2020 Money in the Bank winner, Mixed Max Challenge winner with The Miz, uh, Triple Crown and Glam Slam Champion. Uh, in NXT, she won three year-end awards, the female competitor in 2016 and 2017. And in 2017, she also got the overall competitor. Um, and then in the in the WWE, she's won uh, the Women's Tag Team of the Year award for 2019 with Kairi Sane. Uh, in this COVID era, she has been uh, one of the standout characters and, and really alongside uh, quite a few other women, really that carried the, 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 the wrestling brand for WWE alongside with the likes of Bailey and Sasha who've, who've done really good work. Uh, but yeah, my first pick is, uh, is the legend that is Asuka. One of my absolute favourite wrestlers, uh, wrestlers. Sorry, I just bit my tongue then. Ow. Um, one of my absolute favourite wrestlers, just since the moment she got to WWE, just absolutely loved Asuka. Um, she's someone who, if non-wrestling fans ever say to me, "Oh, what's you know, what's the appeal? What what do you like about it?" I want to show them Asuka because she comes out. She's got the mask. She's got the huge, colourful coat. She's got all the colourful ring gear. She's got the face paint. And she just she looks absolutely insane, and then she just goes full kick ass, and everything she does looks real. And it looks like it hurts. She's just that's it. But that's what I love. That's what I love in in a style of wrestling in general. Sort of snug strikes, you know, a little bit sort of a little bit of MMA influence maybe. And, and she's got it, she's got it in spades. Yeah, legitimate. And, and yeah. but she's got charisma for days as well. She doesn't even she doesn't even have to cut a promo in English. And we all know what she means. Yeah. Most of the time it's I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely love Asuka. I'm definitely not vetoing her. Um although you you do lead you have actually led me nicely into my first pick. So I was I've been sort of going backwards and forwards on this, but but you mentioned uh being uh, Asuka being a Grand Slam champion and a triple crown champion. And the way I figure it out, you know, how do you how do you pick someone who, who matches up to that? You pick the woman who was the first Triple Crown champion and the first Grand Slam champion. You pick Bailey. Mm. Uh, believe it or not, Charlotte didn't do those things first. Wow. <laughs> Bailey beat it to it because Bailey won won the you know obviously had the NXT title, had the SmackDown title, the Raw title, and then uh, the tag title. She was the, one of the first ones to win the tag titles. So, yeah, just to run down her accolades, like I say, first women, uh, first women's triple crown champion, first women's grand slam champion, NXT women's champion, Raw women's champion once, um, two reigns with the SmackDown women's champion, including the longest reign at 380 days, which was most recently, 
Women's Tag Team Champion twice with Sasha Banks and the 2019 uh, Money in the Bank. Um, I'm not going to sort of give a rundown of of Bailey's career really because the, the thing that sets Bailey apart over the uh, from the other four horsewomen for me is her character work. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't understand Bailey when she first came in when she was the naive, you know, hugger, the naive, starstruck. I, it, I was bit more smarky than I am now and I was you know looking back and thinking oh my god what's the point you know just Bob but she you know she was big with um you know big you know big with the younger younger audience and all of that and you know sort of generic white meat baby face um throughout time she obviously did you know did all the stuff with the wacky waving inflatable tube men and uh, you know giving a headband to um oh, what was that young lass's name and it was always Is in the XT crowd Izzy that's it um and then I'm going to, I'll never miss a chance to mention this. I was at t- the first takeover Brooklyn. I was lucky enough to be out there for that weekend. Um, we bought a ticket at fairly short notice, me and my brother. We, f- we actually flew out on the Saturday. So by the time the show finished, we'd been up about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But the energy in the building was immense. But that match, that match with Sasha Banks, where Bailey won the title, then I understood it. Because I found myself a third of the way in, virtually on my feet, willing her to win. And that's when I understood Bailey. And she kept that baby face with momentum for so long that it's just incredible. It's very difficult to do that without getting stale and people turning on But, you know, she got betrayed so many times by people, but she stayed true to herself. And it, it, that was really, really admirable to keep that going. And then, she, oh no, I forgot as well, she, she was in the... Um, the first ever uh, NXT 30-minute Iron Woman match on the back of, yeah, uh, on the, back of the Sasha Max match, yeah, Respect, which was another phenomenal match. Two shows in a row, they absolutely killed it. Um, but then she did, then she went heel. And I was looking at it thinking, how can Bailey as a heel work? How the hell can that work? But she did, well, I can't remember where I read it, but... I read someone once saying that to be a heel in wrestling, you've got to change every single thing that got you over in the first place. Mm-hmm. So she st- she started wearing you know loads of makeup, the Cleopatra makeup, the heavy eye makeup. She went with the Karen, can I speak to the manager haircut? Gone with it. She executed a tube man. <laughs> she did. That was brilliant. Gone was you know the high fives and the hugs and the the wristbands and the headbands. It was all gone for this quite frankly overdue sense of entitlement but she could you know a lot of people you could have done it in a way where people you know what good for Bailey she's looking out for herself but no she went full insufferable and as you alluded to earlier with Sasha Banks in this sort of pandemic era when you in the empty arena shows where they were going after you know going at Michael Cole and they were responding to his commentary um and things like they're just a pair of insufferable detestable dickheads <laughs> Just absolutely, they found a way to make me a, a cynical old wrestling fan. Just absolutely wind me up, but not to the point where I wanted to turn off the TV. To the point where I wanted to see him get the comeuppance. Yeah. Um, she didn't, you know, she's not fallen into yet the trap of being the cool heel, like so many people have. It, it, it's that sort of U-turn and to be as effective, if, if not more, of a heel than when she was a top baby face, just sends her over the top for me. Yeah, another one who that I can't I can't beat on because you're absolutely right. When when she did the the heel turn, I 
didn't get it at all. I could not accept Bailey as a heel. But she is so damn good at it. She like like you said, you've got to change everything about your your character, and she did that all the way down to the the haircutting, the makeup, all that. But it was also the way she was in the ring. She was very conniving, very sneaky. Used uh, the likes of Sasha as, as almost like as a as a shield. Um, yes, it's a, a great pick and one I definitely can't beat. Or God, I'm itching to beat. Or yeah, you hit the nail on the head there as well with the manipulation factor like recasting Sasha Sasha was insufferable as well but she always felt like the one who was slightly more naive where before she'd been the manipulator and the betrayer Mm -hmm. Um, great pick so I'll go to my second pick and I'm not I'm not going to fall into the tally trap you can get fucked I'm not picking Charlotte Flair I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to pick Becky Lynch. I can't not pick Becky Lynch, I don't think. For, um, for somebody who... who um, she really was the, 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 the kind of shadow. She was in the shadow of the rest of the four horsewomen. If you remember her time in NXT, she was the only one who didn't win the NXT women's title. Um, she was always that, the kind of a, the nearly woman. Even when she came to the main roster, she was never... Uh, the, the huge favourite. She was never the breakout star of the of the horsewomen, but she was always that plucky underdog that, that we all really got behind. Um, and then she had a, a breakout um, when the WWE tried to turn her heel, uh, really wanted to push her as, as, a, as a, the heel for going up against Charlotte um, into towards uh, WrestleMania. And we fans told WWE to go and get fucked. No one accepted her as a heel uh, to the point where uh, a week later she had to come back out and thank the fans for having her back. Um, and with that, we got the, the, the turn of and the, the start of what would be the biggest star in wrestling, male, female or whatever. Um, we, we then get the build-up with Ronda Rousey coming into the company Um we get the face breaker with uh, Nia Jax and uh, the, the rumours that she potentially wouldn't even be able to make the uh, any the match at, at Royal Rumble. And that's really what kind of got the got the world behind um, behind Becky Lynch. She became the biggest star in the company. And this is a company what was trying to push Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins as, as the face when they had the first there all along, a, a diminutive Irish last kicker called Becky Lynch. She was part of the first ever all-women's uh, pay-per-view evolution. She headlined uh, the first ever uh, headline match at WrestleMania, obviously, after that. that um, quite a convoluted story with uh, with uh, Ronda Rousey and, and Charlotte, who, but it ended up being an amazing match. Uh, became the first and only simultaneous Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion was PWR most popular wrestler of the year in 2019, PWR woman of the year 2018 and 2019, number one on the PWR female 100 in 2019, Wrestling Observer, uh, women's wrestling MVP 2018, 2019, 2019 Royal Rumble winner, Raw Women's Champion, three-time SmackDown Women's Champion, three-time WWE Year End Award winner, 
which is the female superstar of the year 2018, 2019, and then match of the year against Charlotte at Evolution. She's legitimately the face of the company. And when she comes back from um, from uh, having a baby and, and, and uh, is back to, to wrestling, there's no doubt she will carry on being the face of the company uh, because everyone absolutely loves Becky Lynch and it would be a damn shame if uh, if she didn't stay on the Mount Rushmore of, of current women's wrestlers. She is fantastic, isn't she? <laughs> Just absolutely brilliant. And to think she, she rose to those heights after being told to go out there and river dance mm. and do a jig. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whoever it was, whether whether it was Hunter, you know Triple H or Vince or whoever, just says, "You're Irish. Go on then, off you pop. Do your do your leprechaun dance or whatever the one, whatever they probably called it. And, it's and, it's and just can, a completely phenomenal rise. Yeah, and you can tell she really took the influence of Fit Finley uh, to heart because he was he was saddled with the Irish gimmick uh, and he really kind of like broke out of that mold and he did this. He basically worked his magic with her and, and broke her out of that mold. I mean, like I said, she was she was the forgotten star of the of the four horsewomen. The the kind of the, the one that hold, held up all the others. She was never the, the focal point of any storylines until uh, until the, the breakout and then now you don't think of women's wrestling without instantly thinking of the man. Um yeah she's the rise is absolutely phenomenal and I can see her being at the top of the business for for 10 years. Absolutely. But. If you beat her for Charlotte fucking Flair. <laughs> I'm not Paul Tolly now. I was, I was really tempted just to see the look on your face. <laughs> but I'm not Tolly. And to be honest, Charlotte was um, one of my other picks. I got um, Charlotte as a pick. Because. Uh, She's, it's kind of undeniable. I know it's the meme, I know it's the meme now. You know, Hogan must pose, Charlotte Flair must win. But the fact is, she never looks out of place with any gold. No, she never looks out. She never name a name a bad Charlotte Flair match. It's it's not only <laughs> bad matches, which she really doesn't. It's she is every inch a star. She looks a star. She yeah. looks like uh, the kind of uh, woman that you would have on your posters for your for your wrestling events. She's she looks like the woman who WWE would absolutely put their their whole kind of a uh, company behind. So I can't mm. as much as I, I enjoy winding Paul up, I can't deny that that uh, she's an amazing wrestler. Uh, yeah. well deserved to be on. I'm still and not then... vetoing for for it. And, <laughs> she, and she's not my final pick. Oh. Because my final pick is the final boss. Mako Satamura. Oof. Newly signed for NXT UK, Mako yeah. Satamura. Newly signed for NXT UK, but to be fair, to be renowned in Japan enough to get the nickname The Final Boss, a country that includes Minoru Suzuki, mm-hmm. by the way, to get called The Final Boss, you have got to be something special. And Mako Satamura really is. Um, I've seen a wrestle live, but I'll come to that. Um, in a little bit um, quick rundown of her career she debuted uh, in 1995 uh, for Gaia that I mentioned before uh, that Minami Toyota was a part of she debuted at 16 um, she was one half of the inaugural uh, AAW tag champs with Sunoko Kato two weeks before her 17th birthday 
and they held those titles for 512 days. Uh, she'd go on to have two more tag title reigns and two uh, AAAW singles title reigns. The second, when she got beat uh, by Arja Kong uh, a week before Gaia folded, and that reign lasted 338 days. Um, going back to 1996, she became the tag t- became the tag champions on the second, and by the 11th, uh, she was over in Florida at Disney MGM uh, wrestling three tag matches in one day uh, for Disney, for WCW Worldwide, before she uh, went on to wrestle uh, on Nitro in the WCW uh, Women's Championship Tournament. So she's she's a champion and an international competitor by 17. And she was brought back by WCW in 97 for the Women's Cruiserweight title tournament. In both tournaments, she lost in the first round to the eventual winner. So they saw fit to put her in at that young age so with women. Who, yeah, it's already, already, it was, it was nuts. Um, after Guy Folding in 2005, Satomura um, herself stepped up with uh, Michinoku Pro President Jin Seishinzaki uh, to found uh, Sendai Girls, where she was the top wrestler because she was the most experienced. Uh, she was also the trainer and the booker. Their first show. Um, was headlined by Satomura versus Aja Kong and drew just shy of 2,500 fans. Wow. <laughs> so, so booking, promoting, headlining the show, training the talent. She did everything for that promotion. And throughout her career, she's appeared for every major or notable promotion in Japan, um, the likes of Stardom, where she's a former World of Stardom champion, Ice Ribbon, New Japan, All Japan, Dragon Gate, Inoki Genome Federation, Big Japan, any any you could think of. I didn't want to reel them off because I know I'd miss a bunch. But she, she's wrestled everywhere. And then you add to that, obviously, WCW. Um, Sendai Girls ran shows for nine years uh, before they introduced any form of title. But they always kept a very small crop of talent. Mm-hmm. So what they'd do is they'd run shows in conjunction with other promotions so that their wrestlers can get exposure to other companies, other styles, you know, the ways of doing things and co-promote the shows that way. So they kind of weave the way into every other sort of fan base's sort of consciousness. And and really build those out working relationships with other companies. Yeah, exactly. It was very much, it was sort of a a little bit of a take on the territory system. Mm -hmm. Um, Then they introduced their own world championship in 2015. Obviously, Satomura was the inaugural champion. Um, Satomura also went over to Chikara uh, for the King of Trios in 2012, 2016 and 2017. She actually uh, won the 2016 King of Trios with Dash Chizaka uh, uh, and Cassand- uh, Cassandra Miyagi. Uh, in 2018, Meiko Satomura uh, competed in the May Young Classic, mm-hmm. yeah. Be- uh, beating Killer Kelly, Mercedes Martinez and Lacey Lane before being beaten in the semis by the eventual winner, Tony Stark. Yeah, Tony Storm. Uh, she's competed worldwide as well. Held, she's held titles um, in Britain. Uh, she was the Progress Women's Champion. I saw her actually lose the title to uh, to Ginny in uh, in December 2019, and just her walking to the ring. Certain people walk into an arena or walk into a venue, walk into a building, and you feel the presence mm-hmm. and the aura and the anticipation. There was. A good sized crowd, they're probably 900 in you know, no two academy in Sheffield. 
And as soon as she came out, the place just buzzed. There was a crackle, and you know, then you felt like you were witnessing somebody special. And even in a losing effort, she, from what I remember the match, because I was a little bit drunk, um, she absolutely tore Ginny to bits. And that's just the, every time I've seen her wrestle, that's the way she's done it. Uh, she was actually the um, the Fight Club Pro champion, mm-hmm. not the women's champion, the, the champion for three hundred and fifty days. As a, as a British promotions, promotions champion, being flown over to, to compete in matches, sometimes against guys like Mark Davis, who, I don't know if you know Mark, but uh, I've seen, ever seen Mark Davis, one half of Aussie Open, big, big huge fella, six foot two, six foot three, built like a brick shit house. I got a high five off him once, it nearly turned my elbow to dust. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going toe-to-toe, to kicking the shit out of these people, kicking the shit out of all comers. Kicking, equally saying, give me your best. A bit like me, young, tough as old boots, fight anybody, and just brilliant, just, just a brilliant style for me. Well, you know, that entertaining physical style, which is typified by your likes of sort of Minoru Suzuki or Ishii. Yeah. But Satomura does it as well or better than most of them. And um, Sendai Girls has even gone international um, not too long before the pandemic. So I think it was. Mid 2019, Sendai Girls actually ran a show in Manchester uh, on these shows, and she's helped uh, she's helped shape the careers of wrestlers like Chihiro Hashimoto, Sari, Dash Chizako, Hiroya Matsumoto, who I think was also one of the Mayun classics. Um, talents coming up like Millie McKenzie and Charlie Evans over here, and even AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida. And here we are, 25 years into her career. And she's just signed for NXT UK, which is sort of a fledgling branch of the biggest wrestling company in the world. And she is seen, at least as far as I'm concerned, on a, sort of the deal that, that people are making out, she is a massive acquisition because she could fit in anywhere. Yeah, you, could put, mean, you, could, you, could, you could slot straight in to Raw, SmackDown, wherever. Hey, you know, she would have really yeah. fitted in there. Yeah, anywhere. And she wouldn't... Yeah, she, there is, I can't say enough good things about Mako Satomura. No, and, and it's not often that WWE acknowledge uh, the the companies that, that a wrestler is working for or has worked for, but uh, WWE are, are happy to acknowledge that she she's the, the owner and promoter for, for Sendai Girls. And from what I've heard, her contract is not just to be an, uh, an active performer, but it's also to help uh, train the next generation of, of NXT UK uh, talent. So, yeah, Which is brilliant. They can't go wrong with that. Absolutely um, not. Yeah, and Mako Satomura's involvement as an on-screen talent and backstage could propel NXT UK to be something truly special. Yeah, it certainly could. I mean, they've got a, a, a very good crop of, of female talent there anyway. Uh, adding Mako to it, obviously, really kind of boosts that up. But having uh, Mako teach the, 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 the females that are already there, yeah, th- this could be a, a division that rivals uh, Impact or even NXT uh, Black and Gold. Yeah, rival, rival. Under Mako Satomura's leadership, NXT UK could rival, and given the right creative, obviously, um, NXT UK could rival absolutely anywhere. Um, and you mentioned Impact there. One, one of one of my um, honourable mentions, as I said before, was Gail Kim, because you just you can't understate how important 
her ma- like particularly the trilogy she had with Kong. How important those matches were in getting what, for my money, is the best women's division has consistently been the best women's division for the last fifteen years. Yeah, up and running. Um, another one of my uh, and going back to the impact, one of my honourable mentions was going to be Rosemary. Uh, the last time I was on, I've, I've waxed lyrical about Crazy Steve before, but Rosemary equally with without her sort of being so committed to the character in all aspects and in all and in public appearances even I've, I've done I've seen her do a podcast slash YouTube YouTube interview in full character without that and giving giving rise to the cinematic um, aspect of things I don't think we would have had such entertainment through the pandemic era as we've had yep um Two great, uh, well, what would have been on your your memory or what two great honourable mentions? My other two would have been um, Io Shira. Uh, I think there's a, a case to be said that she's not just the best female wrestler, but arguably the best wrestler in, in the world. Um, hasn't really hit the hearts that she hit in, in, uh, in Japan in NXT, but she's still the current NXT Women's Champion. And in stardom, if there's a record... She's either got the record or it was her record that got broken. So she's six-time artist of uh, stardom champion, which is the six-man tags, uh, which is a record. She's the one-time goddess of stardom, which is the, the two, two-person two tags, uh, the record of defences, which is 11. Uh, she was the one-time high-speed champion, one-time SWA world champion, which was the first ever one, uh, two-time wonder uh, stardom champion, which is like their intercontinental level title. Uh, she had the joint record number of reigns, two-time world of stardom champion, which is also a joint record number of reigns, uh, and she's actually first and second in the records for the amount of defences with 10 and 14. First ever stardom Grand Slam champion, uh, multiple uh, tournament victories, uh, multiple year-end awards. Um, then my other one, uh, and it pains me to do so, would, would have been Charlotte Flair. Um, <laughs> probably the most successful women, in, in at least in the recent memory of WWE history. Um, if there's something in the wrestling world, she's won it. Uh, NXT champion twice, Divas champion four-time uh, Raw Women's Champion, five-time SmackDown Women's Champion, uh, tag team champion with Asuka until recently, triple crown and Grand Slam uh, winner, Royal Rumble winner, and, and again, like Becky Lynch earlier, she's the Match of the Year winner. Uh, so she would have got a, a big grudging mention on my Matt Rushmore. And you'll you'll not be shocked to hear that Paul had a front and centre of his Matt Rushmore. So he went with Flair, uh, Sasha Banks, one who we haven't really brought up, but I, I can totally see why. Uh, mm-hmm. He also went with Becky Lynch, and he actually didn't complete the the four. So I mean, he ditched Bailey for Asuka, which wow, dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only saying that to put Bailey on. Um, yeah, it was with Sasha. I think you can't really fault you can't fault anything she's done. Mm-hmm. I think the part of the problem with Sasha is she's been done dirty so often with the booking that you expect it. No. Yeah, so it's like she won the title, lost it in her first defence. Won the title, lost it in her first defence. Which I can see how that work, you know, how that works, sort of building up to something like now where she's actually going on a decent run with the SmackDown belt. But at the same time, it made you just go, Sasha's the champion. How are they going to fuck this up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. Um, but then you go back to the NXT days, and like, like I say, that ma- that match, well, those two matches with Bailey were just unbelievable. 
So you can't, I can't really, and she's actually breaking out now as a, as a sort of multimedia star in her own right. She's well, not, I mean, she's not, Kate, she's not, she's not Snoop Dogg's cousin anymore. Yeah, she's, she's, she's Mercedes, she's Mercedes Varanado, yeah. who's in The Mandalorian, which is one of the biggest things to come to TV slash streaming services ever, because it's Star Wars branded. <laughs> she's arguably the biggest crossover star WWE have got right now. Because of the the deal with uh, that she's got with Mandalorian, yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't think of of anybody else because now John Cena's done exactly what he said he'd never do and followed the Rock to Hollywood. Um, yeah, I think you're right there. But yeah, I mean, I can't fault uh, Paul for putting her on. Um, she didn't make my list, but I can understand his reasoning. Uh, wow. <laughs> so let's get into this uh, future uh, Mount Rushmore then, Dan. Uh, there's some amazing uh, stars in in women's wrestling now, and so many at such young ages being able to do stuff that 20, 30 years ago they would have never been able to dream about doing, let alone uh, making like names for themselves. Now, uh, so let's start with you. Who's your first uh, future star? This is really difficult, really, really difficult. Because I've got what I finally narrowed it down to what I think are four solid picks. <laughs> And now I can only have two. <laughs> it's just blame one. Tolly. It's Tolly. Yeah, Tolly. I do, you prick, Tolly. Right, I'm going to go for. Let's mention. We're going to go for something that I've not for promotions I've not mentioned yet. I'm going to go for Session Moth Martina. We're going yeah. to Ireland for this one. Um making her first appearance on this list, leaving her 58 kids at home. She's in your vicinity on Tinder. She's been banned, unbanned, and re-banned in Canada. Session moth. I just, she is quite simply the, one of the most entertaining wrestlers out there. It just, the, the character she's managed to cut, managed to cultivate this, because session moth essentially is a drunken chav. Yeah. Which, Normally, you know, you see some, you know, see someone in public, think mm, bit Larry, stay away from them. But no, she comes out to like her, her indie theme was uh, Sandstorm by the Rude, coming out raving away, can of lager in her hand, leopard print onesie, just, just, just partying, just having the time of her life. But he grinding on people at ringside because you know she's sort of developed this character where she's. <laughs> I won't even say she's deluded herself into saying into thinking everybody fancies her because you can't not fancy Martina. It's a hashtag. It's a hashtag. Yeah. Everybody fancies Martina. John Cena's going to marry her. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> things you, you you never watch a session with Martina match and come away thinking oh, that was boring. Mm-hmm. What have I bothered with that for? Um, and when she's in the ring, she's always talking. You know, it's like it is like she's just coming. I've seen matches where she's. If it's been like a multi-day tournament or something like that, or a multi-day run, she'll come in the second or third day. Music will be music will be on. She'll tell them to turn it down. She's still swigging a can. She's got sunglasses on, you know, <laughs> pretending to be hungover. Just <laughs> goes for a lock-up and just falls face first asleep in the middle of the ring. Um, but you know, she's always talking. Hang on, hang on. I, I remember this one. I know how to do this old and thing. Is she can actually, she can really, really wrestle. She's fantastic. She's had ten years' experience. She started out just as, as Kazaji in uh, in Ireland uh, for a couple of promotions, and it took about four years to um, uh, to de- to debut the uh, the Session Moth character in OTT, and she just 
She spent, in OTT alone, she wrestled the likes. I'm going to run off some names now, and it's just ridiculous. This is just on the, mostly on the Irish scene, a little bit over in Britain. Tony Storm, Cedric Alexander, Ginny, Eddie Kingston, Rampage Brown, Casey Owens, Mia Yim, Piper Niven, Tegan Knox, Colt Cabana. You know, just, just that list of names is a ridiculous array of international talent and, and all well-respected. Um, she won a first OTT Women's Championship in October 2016. Then she started breaking out in uh, in ICW. Again, we won't say much about them, um, where she actually went heel. So she, she'd had about a year really breaking out as a session moth. She comes to ICW, the maker of heel. And for, I didn't see too much of it, but from what I saw, I was like, yeah, you're a bit of a twat now. <laughs> you know, again, got the cynical old wrestling fan. <laughs> like just thinking that way, uh, she won uh, Discovery. You're a mark. You're a mark. Yeah, I am for for the right for the right character for the right character to suck him in. Absolutely, I am. Um, she won Discovery's women's title. Uh, she was OTT's inaugural gender neutral champion. Uh, they've got a gender neutral championship over there, which I think is brilliant. Um, and she's even gone so far as to do stuff like wrestling death matches against Jimmy Lloyd. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of Jimmy Lloyd. Um, I thought you will have done. You've seen the odd bit of GCW, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, so she wrestled for GCW. She's been to WXW, Rise, Shimmer, uh, all just up and down Britain. I've seen her in one of my favourite promotions is North up in Newcastle. She wrestled Rory Coyle for the uh, the championship. Wow. It started out as a regular wrestling match, and then it just descended into just ridiculous brutality. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was just absolutely ridiculous. I've seen a wrestle for uh, for a promotion called Breed in Sheffield, where she was, um, oh, what was her name? Garda Martina, tagging with the anti-fun police. Garda, Irish yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, She came out as Garda really Martina. That, you know, they're there telling her no drinking, you know, taking a beer off her, putting her, like, nope, stop it, just all throughout the match. Her and Federales had just such great chemistry in this six-person tag. Um, it was marvellous. And then the big one, one of the, the first sort of big one for Martina internationally uh, was heading over to Stardom yeah. in 2018. Joined, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Oido Tai, the, uh, the faction there. Oido Tai, yeah. Oido Tai uh, took part in the 2018 Cinderella tournament. Um, Goddess is a Stardom tag league. I think she's found sort of a, a niche, uh, sort of a niche within the faction as a tag team with Natsu Sumaya, uh, which just I've only seen clips and everything, but all just seem really entertaining. I think the uh, the Japanese fans really took to again that that the energy of the character is just infectious, and yeah. it's her comedy timing as well is brilliant. She can you know she can get down like when the match gets down to it, she's serious, she's having a laugh, um, but. Yeah, I just love everything about her. She's fantastic. Um, what was it? Oh, I saw a tag with um, Lana Austin at Southside as well. Um, and then, so the tagged in the afternoon show, Lana Austin and, and Session Moth, which was great. Again, great chemistry, um, entertaining match. And then they came out for a six for a six person tag at night in the night on the evening show, and they brought Millie McKenzie with them. They were tagging with Millie McKenzie. And Millie McKenzie came out and it was like Martina was acting like an embarrassing mum. <laughs> like Lana Austin was kind of like, just just calm it down. So like Martina came out with a beer and she gave Millie McKenzie a fruit shoot. Wow. <laughs> Stuff like that. And she's just a character work though. Yeah. And Millie, and Millie's, Millie's there acting embarrassed. Like, mum, will you stop it? Will you just fucking stop it? 
And then just by the end of the match, Millie just goes full rave Millie and goes nuts in the ring, dancing and, and messing about and doing all the, doing all the Martina shtick to the point that both Martina and Lana Austin ran away. They literally just just sloped off, just sloped off, rolled out of the ring and just left Millie raving in the ring on her own and just uh, stuff like that. And then finally, she uh, most recently, sorry, uh, Martina signed for Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. a promotion we haven't mentioned yet because as far as I'm aware, they've never really had a great women's division. Um, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, she's only wrestled three matches there. Uh, she beat Sumi Sakai, who's a big name, a, you know, a big name in uh, Japanese wrestling. Uh, she was beaten by champion Angelina Love, and she's been in a, an eight-person tag. But just those three appearances, and for a sort of working vignettes and on watch-alongs and things like that, uh, she was just recently named the Ring of Honor Female Wrestler of the Year for 2020. And just for the level of commitment... Yeah, just for the level of commitment to the character, for how entertaining she is. And this was all interspersed. Developing that character was all interspersed by doing um, PG shows, doing child-friendly shows, where she'd come out as the session moth, but have to turn it down, obviously. Because, you know, you can't go out in front of a bunch of kids and make dick jokes. (laughs) Or anything like that, you know. (laughs) Anything like that. So, yeah, just underrated versatility, supremely entertaining, and for my money the best character in one of the best characters in wrestling right now yeah and and once ring of honor is uh is willing to do shows again i think she's gonna be a massive star there um i think her and uh dan Housen are the two people i'm really looking forward to see what they can do uh like with a big company like uh, ring of honor so yeah, yeah i'm not going to veto it uh if if i did uh, all the, the guys at Five Nerds Go would absolutely disown me uh, because <laughs> they all hashtag Fancy Martina. So, yeah, uh, it's staying on. She's an international treasure. Yeah, she is. So I'll go to my first pick then. Um, and I'm actually going to uh, branch out from, from WWE uh, and Western Wrestling for once. I'm going to go with Momo Watanabe. So... Uh, uh, currently at 20 years old, this this girl has had a careers worth accomplishments already. She's had six years wrestling, debut when she was 14, uh, and she spent all her career uh, so far in stardom. Uh, at, at the age of just 16, she teamed with Io Shirai and uh, Mayu Iwatani, who were, were two massive names in, in, in the company, uh, to challenge for the... Uh, the six women artists of stardom, stardom titles, um, although she was uh, actually unsuccessful there, um, it showed what the company thought of her, that they were ready to push her for, for, for titles at such a young age. Uh, she teamed up with Jungle Kiona to challenge for the Goddess of Stardom tag titles, again, uh, becoming unsuccessful. And she actually turned on Jungle to, to join EO in, uh, in Queen's Quest, one of the stables over there in, in uh, Stardom. Uh, and that's when she started winning uh, a titles and she picked up her first title, which were the, the six women artists with uh, Azuka and EO. So she spent about 18 months under the, the learning tree of Io Shirai, who was at the yes of the company at that time. Uh, and it got to a point where Momo actually challenged Io uh, for the Wonder of Stardom title, which, like I said earlier, was essentially the, the RC level uh, title. Um, again, unsuccessful, but the fact that 
she was 17 years old and, and challenging the biggest star in the company really kind of showed how how much the, the stardom uh, put into to uh, Momo being uh, being the, the person to take over once he all left. Um, she won the Cinderella tournament. Uh, I think she beat B Priestley in the final. And again, she she wanted to, to face EO. Uh, she wanted to kind of be her, her tutor, almost like the, the student becoming the master. And she was able to do it this time. She became the, the youngest ever um, Wonder of Stardom champion at just over 18 years old. And by the end of that year, she was actually a double champion uh, when uh, her and her tag team partner, Utame Hayashishita, uh, won the Goddess Tournament uh, and then ended up uh, picking up the Goddess of Stardom tag team titles. Um, when Stardom did their first show in the US, Momo was one of the, the, the stars that they kind of pinned to the banner. Um, she defended her Wonder title against a, a tag team partner, Utame. Um, eventually, she, she would drop that uh, that Wonder Belt to Arisa Hashike, uh, but she had an almost a year-long reign, uh, and she broke um, EO's record of, of defences with 13. Uh, they soon as, uh, she soon lost the, the Goddess title as well when uh, Momo and Utame um, ended up um, teaming with uh, Asami to then pick up the uh, second run as the, uh, the artist of stardom. And just going into the COVID era, uh, Momo was actually being pushed into the world of stardom picture. Um, and she was actually challenging uh, Mayu Iwatani for the, for the towel uh, in, in January. But um, just as the world now is starting to, to get back to normality, um, she's, she's picking up right where she left off. Uh, now the, the actual uh, world of stardom champion is her former tag team partner, Iwatani. Uh, so um, she's actually in a program now uh, where she's uh, looking to take that belt from Itana. She was unsuccessful in her first attempt, uh, but is is obviously well on her way to being uh, as big a star for stardom as as Eo uh, Eo was before. So yeah, my first pick is going to be uh, Momo Watanabe. And Momo survives Avita because I don't know enough about stardom to even start talking about it. I know her by reputation. I've obviously heard the name um, bandied about, but I, I'd be lying if I said I'd ever seen a match. Uh, Stardom's one of those promotions that I've been meaning to sort of cycle my subscriptions and just, you know, spend a month, spend a month watching Stardom, spend a month watching XYZ and doing it that way, but I'll just never get around to it because I'm a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, with with uh, Stardom and, and New Japan now being under the, the same banner of Bushi Road, if there is anybody who you would see uh, wrestle on a New Japan card, uh, I think Momo would be one of the people. Her and, and uh, Mayo Iwatani, they're, they're huge stars. Uh, and, yeah, they, they sell out shows, uh, kind of running concurrently with, with New Japan. Uh, yeah, Momo is a, an absolute star. And she's tr- the, the shocking thing is she's still only 20 years old. I mean, I know in, in terms of Japanese wrestling, that's relatively old uh, because they, you, they do start in like the, the mid-teens. But uh, the stuff that she's done in, in those six years of her career is just unbelievable. And I think that she will break every record that Yoshi mm-hmm. has set in, in stardom. Yeah, that, just that rundown you gave there is is absolutely insane. Like, I, I was tem- really tempted to just be, well, I don't know who she is, so fuck you, I'm vetoing. But for that level of accomplishment at that age, six years in, is just ridiculous. I mean, that 
British wrestlers start young. Mm-hmm. But very rarely do you see somebody do that in the first and, six years, do all of that. And especially and, in a company with the, the kind of like, uh, the name power of stardom, um, to, to rise up the, the kind of rank so quickly and be thought of as, as such a big star uh, at so young, yeah, it's, a, it is, it's, it is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, happy to keep Momo Watanabe on there, definitely. And, in yeah. fact, the theme of doing a lot in a, in a very short amount of time feeds quite nicely into my second pick. Okay. Um, which is Bianca Belair. Oh, my second pick as well. Yeah. Um, Just, I didn't really appreciate what Bianca had done until I started researching her. Obviously, I know she's been around NXT, etc. What I didn't realise was that she has gone from starting to train to earning essentially a women's main event spot at WrestleMania in less than five years. She's a collegiate All-American athlete, powerlifter, crossfitter, had to abandon it after um, contracting some uh, contracting something called intercostal chondritis, which, funnily enough, a friend, a friend of mine's had. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely... It, yeah, it's called floating rib syndrome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of an inflammation of the, mus- uh, the muscles between your ribs. He had a... Um, they had a variant of it, so my friend had a variant of it, sorry, where it essentially inflamed the muscles between your ribs. Incredibly painful, your rib cage can't expand properly, so you can't breathe essentially. It, it's really, really rough. Um, so to have something like that and then think, well, me cross me, you know, my CrossFit and powerlifting career is over, I'm gonna go be a wrestler. Yeah. That's that's insane. She actually, by her own admission, entered her sort of details and, and CV onto the WWE Prospects uh, website on a whim. It was just a whim, just had it there, and then I think it was less than two weeks, received a cut later after entering the details, received a call from Mark Henry uh, saying he was going to try and get her a tryout. She had two tryouts on April 12th, 2016. Um, she got entered into the uh, the performance centre. And after just eight months, uh, she made uh, made her NXT debut in the September in a, just a, a loss to Aaliyah, who they were sort of trying out at the time. She resurfaced in May 2017 in the number one contender battle royal, uh, and then in the June, be Aaliyah to qualify for the uh, to qualify for the May Young Classic, where in a theme of the show, she <laughs> lost. She lost in the second round to eventual tournament winner Kyrie Sane. Star maker. Yeah. Uh, after the million classic, Bella uh, went on a, m- a massive undefeated streak. I don't have the numbers like you had for Asuka, but it went on for absolutely months, which just gave. I think credit- it was a year. I think it was a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it must have been. Um, but it gave sort of cre- it gave sort of credibility to her claim that she's the EST, she's the strongest, mm-hmm. fastest, all the rest of it. And just one sort of side note I had to put in there when she started whipping people with her hair. And they were saying, well, it's part of her body, so they can't disqualify her for it. So that unique. Was, that was yeah. just a fantastic little touch. absolutely blew my mind. Um, she was kind of sort of just sort of floating backwards and forth, back and forth, still winning. Bit of a tween. And then she had the uh, the feud with uh, with Mia Yim about May 2019. Uh, Yim would go on to end, uh, end her undefeated streak, um, returned a few weeks later and went on an, on another tear. Um 
just running through people, unsuccessfully challenging uh, Rhea Ripley for the uh, for the NXT Women's Title um, before being part of the uh, the successful NXT Women's Team at Survivor Series in 2019. Uh, challenged Rhea again at NXT Takeover Portland in January 2020. Um, another absolute barn burner of a match, if I remember rightly, and then. I think it must have been the must have been the very same night or the next week. Um, entered her first Royal Rumble. Entered it at number night, two. It was the night after. The day it after. was the next night. Yeah. Um, entered at number two. Eliminated a record eight women, and then by WrestleMania 36, she turned face. Um, believe she'd helped out the uh, the Street Profits at Mania. Um, just off, to be honest, sort of floated around for a little bit before being for a few months before. Um, uh, before being drafted to uh, to SmackDown in October 2020, um, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen much uh, main roster WWE uh, recently, so I don't know how she's done on SmackDown, but she so, must have done bloody so, well. <laughs> yeah, so basically, she uh, has been Bailey's storyline coming out of the uh, Sasha and Bailey stuff. Um, right. Really, uh, her Bailey and the the, the the feud they've had really elevated Bianca to the point that. Uh, that what you're going to get onto now? Yeah, uh, she won the 2021 Royal Rumble. So trainee to, like I said, trainee to women's main event of WrestleMania in five years. And just, I actually went through this before I, I decided on Bianca as one of my picks. Just her stats in the Rumble. She's building a legacy in that match. Mm-hmm. She's, she's got the. She's the care of the women's division. Yeah, she's got the third longest total match time. Uh, into you know cumulative match time, she's only been in half the rumbles, mm-hmm. one hour thirty minutes and sixteen seconds. The record Charlotte Flair at something like one hour fifty. She's got the most joint most eliminations in a single rum uh, in a single rumble eight uh, tied with Baszler. She's got the second most eliminations overall, and she's the Iron Woman of any women's Royal Rumble, fifty six minutes and forty nine seconds. Which is longer than ninety percent, probably ninety eight percent of the men's rumble competitors. Yeah. It, she she is building a legacy. She's done it so quickly, very sort of China esque in the sort of the time frame, and um, just the sky is the absolute limit for Bianca. Yeah, I mean, going back to her time in NXT, uh, I think her real star making performance was when she challenged our Shayna Baszler for the for the, the women's title. And Shayna had to choke her out because she wouldn't give up. That's which yeah. made made uh, Bianca a, a massive star. But going back to this this Royal Rumble, uh, entered at the Ric Flair number number three uh, was everyone's favourite going into it. Um, became the first ever African American uh, to win the Women's Rumble. Only the second ever African American to win a Royal Rumble ever, and she's going to be part of the first ever. Uh, women's tile match with two African American women uh, being involved. So again, at such a young career, breaking down uh, barriers and, and blazing trails. So yeah, there's no way I could have not uh, had Bianca Belair on this list. It's a, a great, great pick and definitely one I'm not going to veto. Fantastic. Have I really got through this whole thing when you've been itching? Itching. <laughs> I can see I can see the goosebumps all over your face. I've been creeping up your neck throughout the whole show. I do like a good veto, don't get me wrong, but I, I know good picks when they hear it. And so far you've you've absolutely nailed it. Um so 
I'm going to go with my pick then next. And I'm going to go with someone who's, uh, who's had a, a, a lot of uh, run-ins with uh, Bianca Belair, both as, as a friend and form. I'm going to have to go with Rhea Ripley. Um, very much in the kind of uh, Charlotte Flair mould of a character. She's tall, she's blonde, she's brutal, she's hard-hitting. Um, but she actually started on, obviously, being Australian on the Australian indie scene, and, and she did about four years there. Uh, signed with the WWE, again, uh, around the, the same kind of time as Bianca uh, in 2017, was given the name Rhea Ripley and was uh, was casting the almost like the the Bailey kind of character where she was happy go lucky, uh, white meat baby face. Entered the 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 first ever Mae Young Classic, lost to Dakota Kai in the uh, second round. Uh, debuted on NXT in in uh, the Battle Royal for the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. But then when it comes back round to uh, the the second Mae Young Classic in in twenty eighteen. Uh, we got a totally different kind of Rhea, really kind of a um, more aggressive, more punk rock, more kind of uh, how Rhea saw herself as a character. Uh, gone was the happy, smiling, go lucky kind of Rhea, and we got the the mosh pit style Rhea. Um, she again uh, was unable to 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 win the tournament. Uh, she eventually lost to Io Shirai in the semi-finals, and then she did. Um, uh, something that that was quite unexpected. She switched to NXT UK, uh, and she won the tournament to determine the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion, beating Tony Storm, uh, who had won that that May Young Classic. Um, she was the first ever Australian female to win a title with WWE, and second uh, ever Australian behind Buddy Murphy. She had a 139 day. Uh, really dominant reign with that title uh, before she dropped it to Tony Storm. She entered the 2019 Royal Rumble uh, where she uh, quickly eliminated three people before getting eliminated by Baylor. Uh, and then kind of in the blow-off in uh, in NXT UK, she had a, a feud with Papa Niven, which was, was really good. Um, then went back to NXT to feud with Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's title. But before that happened, uh, she actually uh, joined her NXT teammates to invade SmackDown. If you remember, there was the the, the Triple H promo where um, he, he had all the NXT stars there. So going into um, Survivor Series, she pulled double duty that weekend, kind of like a Bianca. Um, she um, she pinned uh, Baszler to win the, the war games for her team. Uh, and then she went on to uh, pin Sasha Banks at Survivor Series to help uh, Team NXT uh, dominate that uh, that uh, three-brand war that they had going on. Um, and then when she got uh, a title match, she actually beat uh, Shayna Baszler and became the first person to win both the NXT and NXT UK uh, uh, women's titles. And then when Charlotte won the 2020 Royal Rumble, uh, she uh, Rhea pushed Charlotte to challenge her for, for the NXT title. Uh, so after Rhea successfully defended uh, Portland against Bianca Belair, Charlotte agreed to the match by, uh, by uh, beating her up after, afterwards. And unfortunately for Rhea, she lost the match uh, between her and, and Charlotte at WrestleMania 36. 
but she would stay uh, in that title scene uh, for a little while, being part of uh, the triple threat match where Io Shirai ended up being the champion at uh, TakeOver in your house. And for the last about year or so, she's uh, she's been kind of primed to move up to the main roster, but just never got there just yet. Uh, uh, she's been used fairly sparingly on, on the, the main roster. She was part of the... the uh, the team that Shotzi Blackheart had for the second uh, uh, women's war games. Uh, she's had the feud with uh, Raquel Gonzalez. And then, obviously, she entered uh, this year's Royal Rumble, where, along with uh, Bianca, she had an absolute star-making performance. Uh, the the callback to the Bianca, um, Charlotte, uh, Rhea feud uh, around the title when Bianca did the You Don't Go Here which is just absolutely brilliant. Um, when they both teamed up to eliminate Charlotte uh, and then just decided to duke it out to see who would end up winning the Royal Rumble. Unfortunately for, for Rhea, it was uh, Bianca Belair, but you can tell that that Rhea is definitely primed to be um, a, a main roster star and a main roster world champion in the next, in the next year or so. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Rhea Ripley, I think. It's a great pick, and given Rhea's won the NXT UK title, I can see her easily becoming the first true Grand Slam champion in WWE. Yeah. I'd go a step further and say the the sort of the transformation from your generic white meat babyface, you know, blonde, happy, smiling, to just the 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 death metal, ass kicking, dick stomping badass that we've got now has been nothing short of. Of incredible. I actually picked out Rhea in the first May Young Classic. Um, tweeted, said to one of my mates, said, Watch Rhea. She's got something. And lo and behold, I've been proved right. And I, you can believe or disbelieve if I actually said that, but I did. I believe um, it, absolutely. And the, the hoss fight between her and Raquel Gonzalez mm-hmm. recently on NXT, what a match. Um, yeah, absolutely love Rhea. Um, she's not staying on. Oh, wow. You are worse than Tolly. No, I'm not, because I've actually got a good pick to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going with another absolute ass-kicking, legit ass-kicking badass. Um, again, mentioning another prom- another two promotions we won't have mentioned before, uh, but I'll get to that. I'm vetoing Rhea Ripley to put on Thunder Rosa. Interesting. I mean, my... Uh, fourth pick, obviously, we've, I've mentioned three of mine with uh, Momo, Bianca and Rhea, but my fourth pick is very much linked with uh, Thunder Rosa right this minute, so uh, tell us why Thunder Rosa. Um, a theme in a lot of my picks is I like sort of very snug, realistic, hard-hitting, strong style, if you want to call it that, wrestling. And Thunder Rosa just encapsulates that and she's I when I first saw her I thought she'd been wrestling for absolutely donkeys she only debuted in 2014 in, uh, in Supreme Pro Wrestling in Sacramento um, so she debuted in 2014 and by 2015 she was spending two months wrestling in stardom in Japan another another um, another foreign talent who joined uh, Oedo Tai and during the two months she was there she was wrestling against names like Chris Wolf, Mayu Watani, uh, Momo Watanabe, uh, Io Shirai. And in the same year, 
she signed up. Uh, she got signed up for season two of Lucha Underground. There's Cobra Run now. Lucha Underground. I've not seen all of it, but I love the presentation. It was unique. Yeah. All the characters were brilliant. There was it was more soap opera with wrestling than than most are. Um, most notably in the second season of Lucha Underground, she beat Sexy Star. And then in season three and four, she formed the Reptile Tribe with Dagger and Jeremiah Snake, picked up the trios titles. Um, going into 2018-19, she spent eight months with uh, Ring of Honor, teaming with Holiday, who was another brilliant up-and-comer on the uh, on the US indie scene. Uh, there were the Twisted Sisters that, while they're there, they beat the team of Britt Baker and Madison Rain, and also beat the team of Madison Rain and Sumi Sakai, uh, who I mentioned earlier, another star maker. But in Arrowhead, she was wrestled for Women of Wrestling, where she very quickly went uh, up to cha- uh, up to challenge Tessa Blanchard for for the title. And then in 2019, as well, so again, very very quickly, quick fire, going all around the world. Uh, she spent time in uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, where she was taking on names like uh, Yuka Sakazaki, Alison Kay, Mina Shirakawa. And while she was there, she uh, she captured the International Princess title. In that promotion, held it for 276 days, and the only thing that ended that reign was the pandemic. Um, the back end of 2019, in the October, she debuted on NWA Power, again a show I absolutely loved. I adored NWA Power. The studio wrestling approach, short matches fitting into an hour, short but really well put together matches that, that told the story, that got the job done, got out. And it just went on along at a fair click. She uh, debuted in there, tagging with Marty Bell. She went on a three-month undefeated streak um, before beating Alison Kay at NWA Hard Times to become the 40th NWA Women's World Champion. That match with Alison Kay made my match of the year shortlist. Wow. It is absolutely fantastic. I think the only um, the only way you can watch it, I th- think is to sort of retrospectively buy the pay-per-view on fight only legal way i should say <laughs> but honest to god it's worth it it's worth going back just to watch that show uh, just to watch that match um just physical brutal just barn burner of a match she uses her mma training to full effect um in everything that she does and very much in the mold of of like a mako satamura where it's just I'm completely hooked on it. I'm like, yeah, that is real. Again, cynical old wrestling fan market fan, you know, somebody finding a way to make me believe again, <laughs> which is what we all want to do, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're watching wrestling. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, times uh, times are hard for uh, NWA. That is my favourite unintentional pun, um, <laughs> given the title of the pay-per-view before. Um, so Thunder Rosa popped up on Dynamite, defending the belt, uh, the NWA belt on Dynamite, and quite often, this is what was really weird to me. AEW were, uh, it's great that they're allowing the NWA wrestlers uh, time on TV, the exposure, and the, having the belt there is fantastic. But they were giving so much to the NWA that the, N- <laughs> the NWA women's title matches were often far out, out uh, overshadowing AEW's own women's yeah. title matches. Which don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I get to see Thunder Rosa and Alison Kay have a bigger platform, more people, more eyes on them, which is which is marvellous. Um, they had the uh, the champion versus champion match as well, uh, with Hikaru Shida, which was again another fantastic match for the AEW uh, 
uh, women's title. She defended the title on Dynamite against Serena Deeb and Eva Lise. Um, I think, uh, yeah, and then eventually lost the title to Serena Deeb on uh, US India. I, I can't remember the name of it, but she's now embroiled uh, in a feud with Britt Baker heading into Revolution, which I think they're down to wrestle at Revolution, which, honest to God, Thunder Rosa's a badass and, you know, full of fire and character. And Britt Baker is probably the be- one, of these, one of the best characters on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. So that is why I vetoed Rhea Ripley and put on Thunder mm-hmm. Rosa. I mean, what can I say? There's not I can do about it. But I agree with you. I think Thunder Rosa is absolutely an amazing talent and still so very, very young. Uh, And what I love about her career is she's travelled the world and soaked up so many influences uh, and and it's now coming to fruition in in a time where NWA and now AEW, she's she's quickly one of the biggest stars in that those women's divisions uh, so yeah I, I can't fault the veto um, my other pick uh, would have been Britt Baker um, I think for someone who started so late in the wrestling business uh, she's only actually been uh, training since like 2015 um, she's she's done so well to get where she is trained under uh, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gagano originally uh, and was the first female signed with AEW um, I think she struggled with the pressure of being like the face of the company uh, and, and that really showed in not only her character work but also in in ring uh, and when she kind of like took a step back um, and and Ironically, an injury uh, took her out of, out of uh, commission for a while. It gave her the time to really focus on, on her character work. And, and like you said, she's one of the best characters in the company. Um, really knows how to, to rile up a crowd. Really knows how to kind of use the the, the uh, ring psychology. Um, in ring, she's very, very talented. You can see there's a lot more growth there to have. Um, and I do believe that she will uh, eventually be the face of the women's division there because uh, they're building segments around her. They're building this massive storyline with Thunder Rosa around her. Um, so yeah, I would have I would have gone with Britt Baker if, had I had my my own Mount Rushmore on there. Uh, let's quickly uh, have a look at polls. Um, I'm actually quite impressed with polls. Really, he's, uh, he's gone with a uh, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Uh, Aaliyah James is also picked and uh, Millie McKenzie is someone who I'm actually kicking myself and not picking because um, I think she's a world beater at, at such yeah. a young age um, so so good I mean, the things she can do at, at 18, 19 years old are unreal I'm a legitimate suplex machine at such a young age uh, and such a, a sweetheart of a wrestler as well uh, so yeah I'm, I'm a bit disappointed I didn't put um, Millie McKenzie on Marlis, to be fair, but... I think, there's, um, I think they're not putting Millie on. I think for both of us, it's um, it's a bit of recency bias. Mm-hmm. Be, be, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Thunder Rosa, they're all... Even Martina, they're all still working, still yeah. able to work. They're, they're on TV, they're, you know, they're there in, in, sort of in the, in the mind. Millie is incredible. I've seen her wrestle a lot live. Um, you know, promotions like Southside in Britain, and she's ridiculous. I think she was 15 or 16 when she started, just young kid suplexing the shit out of everybody, absolutely ridiculous. And everybody just went, just looked, what the fuck? But that just got everybody behind her, 
She didn't have to say a word. She just came in. She used to say, put your hair up and square up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah. So Millie, it, it was, I'm actually shocked that it was Paul and not me who managed to uh, <laughs> put um, put someone like Millie on there because she yeah, she will be an absolute world beat. She's already done so much in Japan mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, she's and, t- toured Australia and all and, and just absolutely everywhere. And a, a relationship with uh, Pete Dunne and the, and the rest of like, British Strong Style, it's just so heartwarming because they've really kind of like took her under their wing and, and she's really done well to, to learn off them. Yeah, obviously the, the, the real sour point is the, the stuff that went on with Travis uh, Banks and fuck him, uh, what a dickhead. Uh, but yeah, she's got a bright, bright future and uh, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over to see just exactly how, how far she can go in women's wrestling. The, there, is no, there is no ceiling for Millie McKenzie. No. She, she's already wrestled for NXT UK. For example, she's already on that radar, obviously, because of who's running NXT UK. Um, uh, it was, uh, Jim Smallman's the um, the sort of creative lead over there. Um, he booked her for Progress Tons, um, so I can see her coming in when when the sort of the higher ups deem her ready. She'll absolutely be there. Um, I, one pick that I had in the back of my mind is someone not a lot of people know, but uh, there's a wrestler called uh, Liz Evo. Who's oh, a yeah. scouser? She's wrestled for TNT over in Liverpool. She's their current women's champion. She's wrestled just all around the country. Uh, done a lot for. Um, no, I don't want to mention that company's name because it turns out they're shitbags. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is why it gets hard talking about uh, talking about British wrestling. Um, but she is very much in uh, another one in the mold of wrestlers I like. Who's just absolute badass she comes out and she just there's something about the scouse accent now i lived in chester for ages i'm I'm well versed on i'm a liverpool fan i love liverpool but there's something about when a scouser wants to annoy you they don't have to work very hard just got high pitched (laughs) maybe she comes out she's got a great just great chat about her to wind people up and then she gets in the ring i think she's she's been wrestling five years or so she's only 21 22 but she's an absolute, again, like I said about Rhea Ripley, absolute ass-kicking, dick-stomping badass. But I've, I've seen her, she was um, at ringside, she was just a manager for a match. Um, and it was in a little venue in Leeds, so there's about 100 people crammed in. It's, it's, a, it's a music studio, essentially. So there's a little stage there, it's a performance area, a little stage there, ring filling up pretty much the room, just crammed in as many people as they can. And this, this knobhead in the crowd is just being a dick. Um, just would not shut up, calling um, calling whoever the bloke, calling the bloke a nonce and, and all this, when there was nothing about that at the time. We just wanted to be a twat and yeah. just continually mouth off. And now I can't, I don't, I don't think I, I can't remember what he said to Lizzie, but she just squared it. And this dude, you know, six foot odd, just went, say that again. She said, say that again, fucking say that again. And he mouthed off again, and she just belted him. Wow. Good on her. At ringside, just belted and caught him with two bloody good shots. And this bloke's doing, you know, he's a bit drunk, and he's doing his yeah. typical, that thing people do when they've been caught out, and they're scared shitless, but they're just going, ooh, you know, all right. And he was quickly ejected from the building by uh, staff and other fans, and got royally told to fuck off. 
And unfortunately, that was one of the last shows that uh, that, that was at Rise. Um, one of my, again, one of my favourite local promotions in Leeds. And that was Lizzie's a heel at that point. And I think everybody just kind of went, "You're all right, actually. We like that." But again, just it might have been a plan. He definitely wasn't. He definitely wasn't. And I've seen a wrestle. Uh, what's uh, Soraya Knight Paige's mum again with the accusations that were thrown about her I don't don't really want to mention her but I do have to mention this match because these two beat the piss out of each other and in front of about 75 people just absolutely beat the piss out of each other but she goes out and she does that every single time I've seen her work, work face and heel Equally as well, and given the chance, given the right amount, right exposure, Lizzie can go as far as she wants to. And she's a Liverpool fan, and she's got a, a finisher. I can't remember if it's an elbow. It's been that long since I've seen her wrestle. But a finisher's called the Virgil Van Strike. Wow, that's brilliant. So that's I don't know, everybody go, get on YouTube, look up, look up Lizzie Eva, or she used to be called Lizzie Styles. Yeah, look that's her up. She's fantastic. Well. Damn, this has been absolutely amazing, as, as I knew it would be. Uh, Paul has absolutely missed a trick uh, not being involved in this. It's always fun when you're around. Uh, you bring knowledge and shithousing with your, with your vetoes. <laughs> um, but I do need something from you, Dan. I need a, a topic for a future guest. Uh, I know that you've uh, you had a good one in mind, but uh, going to sleep, fuck that royally for you. Did you were you able to remember it? Uh, no, uh, completely. <laughs> I remembered one earlier when I was uh, when I was on my way to when I was actually out uh, taking the dog for an empty. Um, sticking with women's wrestling, I want to. I'd like to hear the Mount Rushmore of NXT women's matches that don't involve the Four Horse Women. Nice nice little one to research. There's a couple of things in there that'll uh, get the old grey matter working and you'll have to go and revisit, but... I'm happy with that. I mean, like we've said quite a few times on this show, the NXT women's division is is stacked, and it's been stacked for a long, long time. Uh, So I'm sure we can come up with plenty of good matches out of that that stipulation. Uh, But again, thanks for doing this, Dan. I really do appreciate it. You're always welcome back here. Uh, where can uh, where can people find you on uh, on the rest of Twitters and what other uh, content are you involved in? I know, can I actually I say that already now? Know. <laughs> yeah, shock horror. I'm on a, another podcast with Mags. Um, my uh, my Twitter is uh, at DanGriffin21, um, and I am on the monthly pay per view reviews over on that nineties wrestling podcast, which is at nineties wrestling pod. I think I'm, I can never actually remember that because I'm a dipshit and don't yeah. pay enough attention. I, I just tap in on Twitter at James and it finds him. <laughs> I'm just double checking now because I've got to get it right. It's the first time I plugged anything. Yeah, at nineties wrestling pod. I was correct. Go me. <laughs> well, I love. Uh, that show with you, I think is it, we have a, a really cool little team there. I'm just a hell of a lot of fun watching terrible, terrible early nineties wrestling. Uh, no, I'm, and I'm not getting started on Survivor Series '91 again. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that was just so so bad. Um, 
but yeah, like I said, you're, you're more than welcome on this show any time. I really love having you on. Well, um, if, you ever feel, if you ever feel like uh, divorcing Tolly and finally putting a ring on it, I'll, uh, I don't mind. <laughs> Do you know that might, might end up happening if he keeps ditching for, for work? How dare he ditch for work? <laughs> I know, but what's this work priorities? What's this work life balance bullshit? But um, if you if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at DJ Kirby. I'm not going to run out, run through Tolly's uh, horrific outro. Follow him if you if you if you ever feel the need at Reencounter. Follow the show at Badlands Pod. Um, check out all our open plethora of content. Paul, uh, when he turns up, does five five nerds go, and I do more podcasts than any human should ever do. Um, but um, thank you for listening. We have one rule around Badlands. It's that you must always use your head. Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.